This podcast episode mentions murder, suicide, attempted suicide, PTSD, mental illness, substance abuse, and addiction. These are our personal stories, and we are not mental health professionals. This is not a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be relied on as health or personal advice. Thank you for listening to And Life Happened. Today we have Candace, who is going to share her resiliency life story from 21 to today. So Candace, tell us your story. Hi guys, um, at 21 years old, I was in a relationship and we were having problems within the relationship and my family became aware of it. And my brother hadn't asked the, asked the guy to meet him at a restaurant where I thought they were going to talk to work things out. And I actually called my brother and asked him if I could come. And he told me, no, I just would like to talk to him myself. So I stayed behind. And the boyfriend at the time went and my brother ended up shooting him in the middle of a restaurant and then turning the gun on himself. Oh, oh my goodness. It, it was a lot to process mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, stayed at my mom's for a couple of days and, you know, we were grieving and, and talking to our family and I decided that I needed to go to a psych ward and, and get some more, more, um, more help. And I went to a psych ward and I was actually there for two months while I went through a lot of emotions that I was processing. Um, there was anger at my brother at times. Mm -hmm. There was anger at the boyfriend. Mm -hmm. There was blame and shame that I was putting on myself. It was a difficult thing to work out even in the psych ward, because, you know, it's a situation that not many people have dealt with. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they were getting educated while, you know, I was going through it. There wasn't a step-by-step guide of, you know, with the emotions Mm -hmm. I was going to handle. There was resistance on my, on my half that um, I didn't really want the help at times because it just seemed too much. I felt like I had so much on me and, and, didn't know how to work through it. And the guy that um, I was dating at the time was a pillar of the community in Baton Rouge. And he had, he was coroner chief of investigations. He had also been a police officer for 20 years before. And there was a lot of problems with, you know, people knowing what happened and, and just the underlying issue that, you know, my brother had done this was Mm -hmm. a lot on us. And my mom decided to move me to Delaware with my aunt and uncle mm. so that I wouldn't have to go through some of those situations with people that were in higher positions. There was anger. There was anger in the community towards my family about what had happened. Mm-hmm. So I moved with my aunt and uncle into Delaware and uh, I, still, I still was in uh, seeking mental health help with a psychiatrist and a therapist and on the surface, everything was okay, but underlying issues of what I was facing was, was really devastating. And my PTSD of not dealing with the situation was kind of how I was handling everything. It was really good to have that crutch of my family there for me. They were very supportive and and we went through, went through a lot with the situation. And, um, 
I started to work, you know, I started working at a grocery store a couple of years after and trying to, you know, put myself back into, into work. And I started to stray and, and started to smoke weed within that time and had met some people that weren't the best of influence. And that led me to arguing with my family at, at their home in um, Delaware. So we had gotten in an argument one night and I just kind of packed my stuff and said, I'm going to the psych ward. You guys won't see me again. And I went to the psych ward and the psych ward um, sent me to a homeless shelter. And I went to a homeless shelter. I was homeless at the time and was on the, um, on the streets and, and staying at the homeless shelter at night. And, you know, mind you, this wasn't my family's doing. This was me acting out. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to handle what I was going through. So I mm-hmm. was acting out and this is how I felt empowered or felt better about what I was going through because I just couldn't deal with all the emotions that I was struggling with. And mm-hmm. uh, I had met a guy in the homeless shelter who, who did 35 years in prison and I decided I was smitten with him. We ended up getting our own place. My family wasn't really speaking to us. He was kind of my only support system at the time. I had gotten pregnant. So, you know, it was, it was tough. I was going through the pregnancy and I had some complications towards the end at the very end of the pregnancy. So they had to do an emergency C-section and I had lost my daughter. Mm. The placenta separated from the uterus and she wasn't getting enough oxygen to her brain and they kept compressing her to bring air oxygen back in her lungs, but it was breaking her chest and all Mm. they were doing was rehabilitating her ability to breathe. And she was on, she wasn't going to make it. So we made the decision to, to let her, to let her go and, you know, and stop, stop breaking her chest. And, and that was a hard decision. I just remember Mm -hmm. holding on to her and just wanting to hold on to her life. Mm -hmm. Like I Mm -hmm regardless of the pain she was going through but making that decision was was very difficult because I just wanted her here it didn't mm-hmm. matter I just wanted her there how old were you then do you remember 25 at the time and um so about for about eight months after we had lost her we were living in an apartment and um I was going through a lot of hard feelings mm-hmm. with with the loss of my daughter Mm-hmm. I started taking prescription Xanax and was taking that, you know, as I pleased or when I felt I wanted it and anything to cover up the emotions that I was going through. And I was still struggling with PTSD from, from my early twenties. And uh, so I was in the apartment with my boyfriend one night and we had gotten in an argument and mind you, I was already in a pretty bad mind state. And I remember going outside after the argument and looking off on the third floor. And at that moment, I decided I was going to take my own life. I, I just mm. was bearing so many emotions in, in me. And that's something, you know, you shouldn't do. You've got to reach out to people. You know, you've mm-hmm. got to give people the chance to help you. Mm-hmm. I felt so guarded because I didn't feel like anybody could help me. Mm-hmm. But Maybe it's because I wasn't willing to take the help, but I got on the, got on that ledge and looked down and I'd said a little prayer before I jumped and I was not religious at the time or, you know, I was, but I felt, I just gave it to God. I told God I couldn't take it anymore and I let go and I hit on that concrete and 
I can he- remember the the screams of terror mm. from people that were at the apartment complex as I hit the hit the concrete. I cannot tell you. I have never felt pain that difficult, that hard in my life. It was, mm-hmm. it was real. I did not, you know, I was still conscious at the time and I laid on the floor of that concrete floor and, and waited for an ambulance to come get me mm-hmm. in excruciating pain. You know, even when I thought it was time to give up, you know, I was at my lowest. It shows that, you know, my higher power wanted me to live, wanted me to keep going, even though I had no more fight left in me. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes for me, you know, the resilience is more than just you. You know, mm-hmm. there's something bigger than you. There's something holding you on this earth. And if I empower people to get into knowing, you know, their higher power for me, it's God. Mm-hmm. And I woke up, I remember them pretty much scraping my body off of the concrete and me getting put in the ambulance and the next memory I have everything else is kind of a phase is waking up in the hospital with the same daunting thoughts that I had before I tried to take my own life at Mm. this point I'm in a full body cast my Mm. my lips are completely wrapped up my uh right arm is in a cast I have a nice little scar on my forehead my pelvis was twisted um yeah, it was, it was, ve- it was a very serious attempt. And uh, I just remember my mom coming to visit me in the hospital and asking questions and, and just, it was just, everything was in a phase. Like I couldn't even, reality wasn't even real at that point. You know, mm-hmm. I told my mom, I was going to go back to the boyfriend that I was with and uh, he felt a lot of guilt. You know, he put a lot on himself. He thought it was our fight and it, mm-hmm. you know, the fight was just, just the end battle. You know, I, I had given up way before and, you know, I didn't want him to have that, that on his chest, but he, you know, he felt really bad about, you know, us arguing and things. And I go back, you know, I stay in the hospital for a little bit and I go back to my apartment and, and um, he pulled out dope bags and, you know, that's when I decided that I was going, you know, to, to start doing dope. I, you know, hmm. started doing dope. And while I was in a full body cast, uh, we went out on addiction for a while there for years, actually. And uh, I guess with the dope, I started struggling with schizophrenia. Hmm. You know, it, it took a few years, you know, first it was just to get high. And then I guess I started developing mental, serious mental health issues. You know, you know, I dealt with depression. I was dealing with anxiety, but I never really dealt with something like schizophrenia where it was just, you know, the dope was in, in, inducing me to, to start hearing voices and things like that. And I was probably, I started the dope around 26. So about 28 is when the schizophrenia started coming into play. And um, I started having manic episodes and I had an episode. So my boyfriend had called the psych ward and uh, I had gotten checked into the psych ward and they did not treat me for my dope. They did not, you know, prescribe any type of methadone or suboxins, which is a treatment mm. for people to get off dope. So I was actually in a mental hospital. I just had, you know, a schizophrenic episode. Um, you know, I'm on do- dope and they stick me in a hospital. So 
They do nothing to help me with it. And I'm in the hospital like a zombie for about 30 days. Completely sick for 30 days. I don't know for anyone who hasn't dealt with addiction, but um, I know a lot of people when they wean off and stuff, you know, they deal with, you know, one or two days of, you know, coming off of the drug. Mind you, I was dealing with it for 30 days in a psych ward. I was locked up. I was trying to seek help. And this is where resilience really just plays in my life because after I check out of the hospital, you know, I was at the point, I was so sick where I thought about taking my own life again. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, I, you know, I just decided I'm just going to continue doing the, doing the dope. So it was a cycle for since about 20, 28 to about 30 for about two years. Mm-hmm. I was in and out of a psych ward, you know, for 28 to 30 days because of my episodes from the schizophrenia, I would get placed in there and then they wouldn't treat me. And then I would come out and I would do the dope again. So much resilience though, within my heart, because I wanted the help from, from them mm-hmm. and I thought when I'd go there, you know, something would change. I would finally get the help I needed, you know, and I never did. I just kept going and the same process kept happening over and over again. And it just, oh, it just, it's like a haze, you know, it just, I I couldn't believe that I still wasn't getting, getting help that I needed. And now I had a dope addiction. And one night I was um, with my boyfriend and he had, you know, done a shot and then woke up and shot and then, you know, put his head on the table and I didn't think anything of it. I waited a couple of minutes. I was doing my own thing and noticed that um, he wasn't breathing. So I called, mm-hmm. I called 911 and they rushed there and he did, did not make it through. They brought him to the hospital and I, I had lost him. We had been together for a while. It was a very difficult relationship, but it was a very hard loss. Also, mm-hmm. that trauma got me to get clean. That trauma right there of losing him. I don't know what it did in my brain chemistry, but I was able to get clean to really get clean. And it's just, you know, even through your resilience, there's going to be really hard things you have to face and things mm-hmm. that are going to come up even the loss of a significant one. That's why I say you have to rely on your higher power. You know, there's something greater. His loss, though it was difficult, you know, I think he would be very happy to know that to this day, I'm clean right now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm sure, I bet. You know, that his death didn't go in vain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That there was a purpose behind it, that there was a reason, you know, and, and, you know, rest his soul. So after that, I was really struggling with PTSD, with with just everything. I mean, I don't even know where the trauma comes from anymore. You know, it's still something. I have nightmares of the suicide attempt. I have nightmares from the the hospitals. Uh, I um, went into a rehab for for a period of time, and I had met a lot of awesome women. Uh, it was really great to have that support. Uh, women that weren't in addiction, women that were coming out of it, and just being able to have those relationships of people who who were were getting hope and feeling hope and knowing that you know they could turn their life around, and I just really took in the experience of rehab, and it you know really molded me, and I felt like there were a lot of, a lot of people who work in the rehabilitation centers are ex addicts themselves. Mm-hmm. 
it's just that experience of being able to talk to somebody who's been in that situation and work and working that just gives you this sense of like belonging you know like the the like NA meetings and the AA meetings, like it's a community within itself. It's really amazing, you know, how much help you can get within those things and how many people and you could meet and, and start building relationships. And that's what I did. And it was a really great experience. And I started living on my own and uh, I was doing pretty good. Um, I had really hurt some relationships within my family, within the addiction at the time. And uh, I was starting those things were starting to heal. And for me, family is a really big thing, you know, mm -hmm. it's just like the being able to have your family support you and you don't realize you take them for granted for so mm -hmm. much. And now that I'm mm -hmm. getting older, I'm starting to realize how important family is and, and what my contribution is. You know, I was always the one getting everything handed to them because I was younger but now that I'm getting older, realizing that I'm part of something, I'm, you know, I, a bigger purpose than myself. I had gotten pregnant. I was seeing the guy and, uh, you know, it didn't really work out with me and him. And it, it is, it is hard um, to deal with that. Did um, decide, you know, to honor life. And, um, you know, I, I wanted, I wanted to have this child. Gave birth to my son on 2-22-22. Oh, he's little. <laughs> you know, it just reminds me how amazing God really is to be able to, you know, I kept, you know, putting one foot in front of another and, and that's great. I'm just so happy, you know, that I, that I was able to keep putting one foot in front of another, but this step wasn't in front of me. I didn't see this step. And mm -hmm. to know that I was going to actually take this bigger step than I had ever thought and raise my child, raise my son. And it has been so empowering and the joy that my son brings me. Uh, you know, I was speaking, my family's gotten even closer. I mean, they just adore my son. My mom's been really big support. I've, you know, my cousins have gotten involved and it, it might not be exactly where I want, I, you know, but then it, it, it's just as long as I keep moving forward and moving forward, they're still there for me, you know, and I'm going to Thanksgiving in Delaware. It's the first holiday in, in about seven years that I've been to with my family. And it's going to be this Thanksgiving and taking my son with me. And mm -hmm. we're going, we're going to go for a whole week. I'm in, I'm back in Louisiana right now. I'm, I must've missed that step when I, uh, recently within the past year, moved back to Louisiana to be closer to my mom when I had my son. It's just being able to be selfless and realize that his needs go before mine has really taught me a different level of gratitude. You know, everyone has their, their thing that gives them, you know, this sign of hope. And for me, it was motherhood. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's just like amazing that's bringing a child in this life after I had, you know, had a stillborn. And I know my daughter's looking down at me and, and proud of the mother I'm becoming and being, mm -hmm. and it's just a real joy. And I still struggle with PTSD. You know, I do mm -hmm. have to deal with some emotions. I am seeking help and trying to maintain my mental health while I raise my son. Um, so there's still struggles there, but you know, I'm in a much better place. There were many obstacles within my life. And this isn't what I thought my life was about. 
mm-hmm. but it was. This is what my life is about. This is my purpose. And hopefully, you know, I would like to, you know, keep moving forward. I am on disability right now. Um, so I'm going to look into options. I was in college for a period of time and I dropped out, want to further my education and just keep being resilient and moving forward in, in, in my life now and try not to dwell too much on the past, but embrace it and let let my experiences carry me on into a more positive way and able to help other people. And that's part of why I wanted to do this podcast today because, and life happened. I mean, and life happened. What can you say? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, you, you didn't even know you were in that step and you made it through it. And that's where I'm at right now. You know, there were times when I look back and I'm like, I did that. I made it through this. Mm-hmm. Yep. I like I can do this mm-hmm. and just keeping that attitude and, and it gets easier you know it really does get easier and there's going to be difficult times and but I'm just seeing so much light right now and I just am so grateful for where I'm at I'm so grateful to be able to share my story with all y'all and and I want you know to bring awareness to things and I hope I, I'm able to do that and that's that's about it one thing I heard, um, and and you start you talked about it in a little a little bit at the beginning, and then I heard it come full circle was, in the beginning. I mean, so much grief and trauma, um, and you kept saying like you weren't feeling your emotions. You were just kind of compacting them in there. You know, you were doing everything to not feel them, um, and now you're really working hard on feeling your emotions. What a distinct Mm -hmm. difference. How do you think that has impacted you, you know, now working on it? It's been relieving. It's been empowering. It's been unbelievable to be able to go through these emotions that I just, you know, compacted and put away and never wanted to bring to the surface. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people struggle with wanting to bring things to the surface because they're nervous that Mm -hmm. somebody's not going to react the way they want. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's the beauty of life. Mm-hmm. And that's when you let the journey take you and you open up to that person. And hopefully that person comes from a good place and, and wants to help. And if that's instilled in them, then when you open up and you're willing to take their advice and move forward, you will take major steps. Mm-hmm. And that's what taking major steps. Sharing our stories is important for multiple reasons. One, your story is going to be the guidebook for somebody else mm-hmm. or even the catalyst for their change. And yeah. two, it's cathartic for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. um, we appreciate you coming on and sharing yours. And you have definitely had um, a lot of and life happen moments. Um, In a small time period, very mm-hmm. compact time period. Yeah, just one thing after another. And it's just yeah. like, yeah, you know, I did our stories, you know, our catalysts, like you said, they're catalysts for other people and people carry our stories and are able to help. And it's just like, wow, that's, you're so right. That's so true. You know, one thing that I found remarkable about your story, just, just listening. um, And I know we hate this, the strength and everything, you know, (laughs) I don't feel strong, but um, you had a moment where you decided like, I'm going to give up, right? Like I'm going to give up. Um, it's too much. And after that, you had another moment where, you know, it was like, I, I don't know, it might be too much. And yet still 
throughout it after the first time after you know the second thought about it um well i mean there might have been more but you know the the actual real oh, yeah. that you shared um you still continue to just like keep stepping probably not always yeah. forward sometimes backwards sometimes side to side i say that all the time like mm-hmm. but you just kept moving um which I think speaks to your resiliency so much. Like I'm just going to keep moving. Um, yeah. And just want to bring awareness so that people don't get to that point. You know, that's kind yeah. of one of the main reasons I want to speak is so that people know, like, don't get to that point. Like there's help and you, you can get help out there, you know, don't let it get to where, you know, you don't want to be here anymore. Like, you know, keep pushing and keep striving. But, you know, just to let you know, I've been there. I've been in the place where there was, you didn't want to turn back and you really gave up. And that is when, you know, I got pulled through, you know, I felt like I got pulled through, but now I'm in a better place. And now, you know, it's, I'm, I'm happy. I'm glad that I got pulled through. It's a lot about support. Um, And we talk a lot about that. And I, I hear that just in what you just said, you know, like, keep reaching out. We say this all the time, keep reaching out, right? Like if this person doesn't give you the support you need, find somebody else, but keep that connection going. And I heard that throughout your story, like Mm -hmm. you trying to find the support. It's not, it didn't always work, right? Like psych ward didn't give you what you needed, or, you know, you pushed your family away at certain points and stuff like that, but just continuing to say, okay, where's my support network, finding those women who you could, you know, connect with what a huge support network that sounds like it's been for you and your family coming back in, like, um, so important. I I hear throughout your story. Yeah, and just yeah, not just stopping there and being okay. Like I'm still putting goals out there for me to further my education or, you know, mm-hmm. to work mm-hmm. and, you know, remaining hopeful that, you know, I'll reach that next step, you know, mm-hmm. and just that also, you know, that per, to propel me forward, you know, so that I have things to look forward to. Mm-hmm. I call those time stamps. That's just my personal thing. Yeah, um, like memory board or mm-hmm. um, no, those vision boards. Yeah, the vision boards. Um, when I have a moment in my life that is a negative time stamp, I, I go out of my way to create a positive time stamp so that I'm not fixated on the, the negative. Create something different. Do something else that is positive. You know, looking for ways to further your education is speaking, I'm sure, to Samantha just as much as it is me because that's what we do. We are in education. You know, now that I have a child, I understand it. And it's just uh-huh. like... I didn't know that that was fulfillment in, in it. Like, I didn't know that I was actually going to feel some sense of fulfillment from not putting myself first, from putting my son first. I, I was actually getting something out of that. But I wrote down, got to reach out to people. You have to give people the chance to help you. Yeah. It's so important because um, whether you are on the side where you have been somebody who has had a family member or close uh, friend, um, a loved one who has attempted or committed suicide or on the other side where it has been yourself. Um, that is something that, that I have heard so many times is that, you know, you want, I would have, I would have known if I, if I would have known, I would have helped. If I would have known, I would have been at their door, or, you know, all the, if I would have things. And I really think that that's true for everyone. If people knew the state that you were in, because we, nobody's a mind reader. We feel like everybody knows. You have to know. You can see the pain on my face. Well, we, they don't know. 
And yeah. um, so I love that if we can get a message across, if, if there's so many messages in your resiliency story, that one could save lives. And also everyone has that one thing that gives them hope. You know, one thing I also thought about Candice, you know, it, as you, you said, um, you know, you kept putting one foot in front of the other and you didn't see this step. Um, and I think that's something I've learned myself. And I, I, I hear in other people when they're talking about, it's almost like letting go of the control, the, the, I need to control every aspect of my right life, right? Like you're like, I didn't see my life like this. I didn't totally um, what I was like. Yeah. Yeah. And and just allowing that there is somehow a bigger purpose for mm -hmm. each of us. Um, and we cannot control every aspect of our lives. And so being okay almost in that ambiguity. Mm -hmm. Um so, so true. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I, that's exactly like you said exactly like I think I was like kind of going around the bush but yeah like right there the pinpoint that's what I'm trying to say like it's so it's bigger than you at times and you have mm -hmm. to be okay like you said you have to groove in that ambiguity you know what yeah. I'm saying like, mm -hmm. you have yeah. to like feel okay with living that's living mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um I put an asterisk a red asterisk next to let the journey take you mm -hmm. um and that's part of like, I need that on a shirt mm. <laughs> or a coffee mug. Um, be okay yeah. with the ambiguity. Mm -hmm. That needs to be a shirt or it needs that's to be on my that. notepad at my desk. <laughs> 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 so yeah. every time I'm writing a sticky note to myself of what I need to do, then it just reminds me that it's okay to let the journey take me or be okay with the ambiguity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know for me personally. I mean, I don't know how other people are, but just like, I have that control. I don't really know where it comes from, but it's like, it's just, I want to control, you know, my next step. And I think that's mm -hmm. going to bring me gratification and it's not mm -hmm. like, yeah. mm -hmm. learning that and just letting someone else have that control. You know, I think a lot of that was my demise in some of those, you know, situations and, you know, I, not that some of the things that happened, especially in the psych ward, like they weren't right. And I'm not, okay with it and I don't think you know things were handled properly but also you know I could have been a little more open myself and mm -hmm. and sh shared some stuff I was going through and not been so closed off mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think we all look back mm -hmm. and think that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. you know and, and black yeah 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 um hindsight's 2020 mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and we can see it perfectly later but um yeah so if you would like to hear more from candy you can find her on instagram at country underscore girl underscore can underscore survive one again that's country underscore girl underscore can underscore survive one Thank you so much, Candice. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to And Life Happened. We hope you enjoyed this episode and will continue to listen to and like our podcast. If you would like to support our podcast, you can do so by sharing this with others to build our community of resilience. To stay updated on the latest information, please follow us at at and underscore life happened on Instagram. If you would like to share your life happened story of resilience, please complete the form in our Instagram bio. 
These are our personal stories, and we are not mental health professionals. This is not a substitute for professional medical advice and should not be relied on as health or personal advice. Thank you.